such a way as to get the prize. Notice that. In a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. That would be the person that crossed the finish line first. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games. Anybody been watching the Olympics besides me? I've been watching some of that. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Notice that, strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. And then I want to read verse 27 in the New Living Translation. It just says it better. Verse 27 in the New Living Translation, the Apostle Paul writing here says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. I'm titling this message today, The Christian's Olympics. The Christian's Olympics. And it's fitting because the Olympics are going on right now, so this should be relevant to us. You know, the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, right here we just read it, is comparing the Christian's life to competing in the Olympic Games. You know, the ancient Olympics were being held during the time of the writing of the New Testament. The ancient games were held in Olympia, Greece from the 8th century B.C. to the 4th century A.D. And of course, during the first centuries when the New Testament was being put together. And so the Olympic games were going on at, uh, at that time. And the Holy Spirit directed the Apostle Paul to relate the Christian life to the Olympics. And we just, we just read about that. We're going to go back here in just a moment and look at some things. Uh, now, one of the Roman emperors stopped the games in the 4th century, the ancient games. And then, of course, the modern games were reinstituted in the late 19th century. And they go on to this day. The, the ancient games, the Olympics, just lasted one day. And now they last, what, about two weeks. And uh, the original games didn't have all the sports in, in, in that we have now. But they had... Uh, they had, had quite a few, boxing, wrestling, and then they had another one that was a combination of the boxing and the wrestling and, and all sorts of things. It's interesting, if you go back to 1950 and look at the women's uh, uh, gymnastics and compare it to what they're doing now, it doesn't look the same at all, you know. Back in the 50s, it looks like the women were just doing a, a cartwheel, you know, and now they're doing, you know, 16 flips on that balance beam, a, a half turn, a corkscrew, and everything else, you know. How many's ever noticed that besides me? It doesn't look anything now like it did in 1950. Anyway, but, uh, but the Apostle Paul was comparing the Christian life to the Olympic Games. Now, Paul said that in a race... Only one gets the prize. And of course, you know, at the Olympics now, does anybody know how many medals they give out for each event? Three. What's the best you can do? Gold. And then what? And then what? Bronze. But back then in the ancient Olympics, there was only one prize given out. 
for winning an event. It was a, a crown-shaped wreath, you know, a crown-shaped wreath. Now, every believer, now listen carefully, every believer in Jesus Christ is running a race here on the earth for him, for Jesus. And believing on Jesus and receiving him gets a person into the Christian's Olympics. But the question is, will we be rewarded someday with a, with a crown? That's the question of this message here today. See, the Olympic ceremony, how many watched the Olympic ceremony, the opening ceremony? Anybody watch that? Now, I, I tape it, you see, because I'm not going to sit there for four hours, and so I tape it, and I fast forward through the commercials. How many does that besides me? And stuff I don't like, I fast forward through it, you know. But uh, in that opening ceremony, all of those athletes are in, in the games. They're, they're, you know, they're in the games. Now, there's alternates and whatnot, but, but, but the bulk of all, the, all of them are in the games, but only a few. Only a few are going to get medals. Actually, I looked it up. There's about 11,000 athletes that entered that stadium. About 11,000, give or take. And there's only about 900 medals that are going to be granted or awarded. And since some athletes win multiple events and get multiple medals, less than, less than 8% of those athletes, less than 8%, of those athletes competing will get a medal. You see, when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we're in the Christian Olympics, you see. We're, we're going to go to heaven. We're going to miss hell and go to heaven. That's a wonderful thing. But see, I, I don't want to just go to heaven. I want to be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ one day with crowns. We'll talk about these crowns here briefly in just a few minutes. But there's five different crowns that a Christian can earn in their life now listen you can't earn your salvation that's a free gift jesus died on the cross shed his blood he was buried and he rose from the dead and when we repent of our sins and receive him and believe on him with our heart then we're saved we're going to go to heaven we're going to miss hell and we're put into the christian olympics you see but then we're running this race we're running this christian race you see and and the apostle paul told us to run in such a way that we can receive a crown and, of course, he said there that the, 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 the awards that were given in the ancient Olympics and the, the medals that they get, you know. How many of you know Michael Phelps? He's that swimmer, wonderful swimmer. But, but you know, in a 100 years from now, his gold medals are going to probably be tarnished, aren't they? In, in, in a 1,000 years from now, they'll probably be disintegrated. Is that right? Yes or no? But the crowns we get from the Lord are eternal, you see. And we need to run our life, our, live our Christian life down here in such a way that we'll get rewarded one day. So, so again, just to review, you get in the Christian Olympics by receiving Jesus. That's a free gift. But then we're supposed to live our lives in such a way that we'll be rewarded with crowns, which we'll see what those are here in just a moment. So, so all those athletes that went into that arena the other night, just less than 8% of them, now they're all in the Olympics, all right, but just, just less than 8%, just a small fraction of them are going to receive a reward or, or a medal. So then, verse 24, notice verse 24 again, 1 Corinthians 9, 24. He said, Paul said, run in such a way as to get the prize. 
So what I want to do here today is I want to take, take a little bit of time here and show you how Paul ran his Christian race. What did he do? Because we'll see here at the end of this message that Paul finished his Christian race successfully and he received a crown, a reward. And so what did he do? What did he do? I don't know about you, but I want to I want to get some rewards at the end of this thing. How about you? Yes or no? I mean, do you or don't you? Well, sure. So let's let's find out from Paul what we need to do to be rewarded. So notice here. In verse 25, he says, everyone who competes in the games goes into what kind of training? Strict training. Now, your flesh, if your flesh is anything like mine, your, your body, it doesn't like going into strict training. <laughs> now, I'll just throw this in. I'll just say this just in passing. The NIV the version we read says strict training. The King James Version uses the word temperate. Temperate in all things. And that word temperate puts an emphasis on one's diet. One's diet. How many of you know if you want to be in shape, you can't eat just whatever you want? And then it does put emphasis on sexual conduct. You need to conduct yourself properly sexually. But now... I want you to look at verse 27 again. Now, what kind of training is it? Is it, is it, real loud say strict training. All right. So if you want to receive a crown from Jesus at the end of your, your life, you're going to have to go into strict training. And notice here in verse 27 in the New Living Translation, Paul said, I discipline my body like an athlete. Training it to do what it should. So strict, strict training and discipline. Now, about three years ago, I weighed about uh, 225, 230, maybe at times upwards of 235. I hate to say it, almost up 240 pounds. We were on vacation uh, and, and I looked, my, looked at myself in the mirror, and I grossed myself out. I'd been heavy ever since I got out of high school. Now, in high school, I could eat whatever I wanted. But when I turned, uh, I don't know, 18, 20, somewhere in there, years old, when I started eating, no more than, it, than I'd eat, it just it started packing on. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And uh, I got up to upwards of 230 plus pounds, and, and, and it was, it, 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 anyway, I just, on vacation, I looked at myself and I said, this isn't good. Plus, my cholesterol was way high, and the doctor was going to have to put me on cholesterol medicine. And he said, I'll give you three months to lose weight. So in, without going through it all, I began exercising and eating right. And uh, got myself down to 190 pounds. The uh, cholesterol came right in line. And then I just kept right on going because I got motivated. And I didn't stop at 190. I went down and got all the way down to 160 pounds. Now, I went too far. And people thought I was sick. They was looking for the oxygen tank when I walked in the room, you know. They, they, you, you don't get the humor of that. But, but 
So I had to put a little bit of it back on. But I start exercising, strict training. I wouldn't eat certain things. I, I used to eat because I'd go up to, I couldn't decide if I wanted the Snicker bar or the Baby Ruth or the Payday. So you know what I did? I just got them all. Do I want the glazed donut or do I want the jelly donut or do I want the, the, the long john? So you guess what I did? I couldn't decide. So guess what I did? I ate them all. You think I'm kidding. I couldn't decide if I wanted a Big Mac or a quarter pounder with cheese. So guess what I did? I ate them both. And then there were days I couldn't decide if I wanted White Castle Or McDonald's. So guess what I did? I got, I got them both. No wonder I looked like I did. It was horrible. Plus, those of you who don't know, I wore a funky looking hairpiece for many years. And so I just got rid of it all. I got rid of about 60 pounds and I got rid of the hairpiece. And so I'm looking better now, praise God. And uh, feeling a lot better. Cholesterol's perfect. Why did I go through all that? Strict, tra- realize, say strict training. And so I was doing pretty good, and I'm still doing good. But I looked at Michael Phelps the other night. You know who he is? He's that swimmer that's won all those gold medals, and not only him, but some of those other athletes. <laughs> and I looked at, I looked at him, and I. And then I went in and I looked in the mirror and, you know, it's real easy to get depressed. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, I don't. But but here's the thing. You know, I don't do what he does. My exercise routine is every other day about if I don't get distracted about an hour and 15 minutes. And I, and I eat pretty I eat pretty, pretty right. Don't I, I? I don't cheat no more. I don't cheat anymore. Guess what? Now, if I have to choose between the sticker bar the payday or the baby Ruth, which one do you think I get? None of them. And in fact, I avoid, I avoid the candy aisle when I go into Quick Trip. I just avoid it. I just make it easier on myself. But I was looking at Michael Phelps and then I went in and looked in the mirror and then I went and looked at the television and I got discouraged, you know. But here's the thing. I don't do what he does. I looked up on the internet what Michael Phelps does in his training exercise, and, and it would take me about an hour. You ought to go look it up sometime, and not just him, but a lot of those athletes, they all do pretty much the same kind of thing. And it, it would take me an hour, probably, if I stood here and read to you all the exercises he does six days a week. And then eating, those guys, what they eat, it's unbelievable. And so you talk about strict training those guys and gals have, realize, say, strict training. And Paul, the apostle, likens what they do unto how we ought to live our Christian lives. Michael Phelps swims 50 miles a week. That's incredible. I mean, I don't even drive that far in a week, you know, in my car, you know what I'm saying? So, I'm just saying all that to you, that we, as we live our Christian lives, we have to discipline. If we want to receive a reward from Jesus, I'm not talking about the reward of heaven. That's a free gift. I'm talking about crowns of reward. We're going to have to discipline our bodies. Now, you want me to give you a real good nugget here that will help you? You know where you need to start? 
with your Christian life? Go to Hold your place in 1 Corinthians 9, but go to James 3, verse 2. I'll give you a good starting place. James 3, verse 2, it'll be on the screen in the NIV. The Holy Spirit said through James, he said, We all stumble in many ways. But if anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect, that word perfect actually means mature or complete man or, or, or person, you know. Would apply to women too, certainly. Talking about people there. Never at fault in what he says. He is a perfect person. There, you know, he or she, perfect person. Able to keep their whole body in check. So, so in this Christian walk in which we're, or this life in which we're running this race for Jesus, if you want to, if you want to know where you should start to keep your body under control. You start with your tongue. Do you know your tongue is an unruly member and it's real hard to tame it? And actually, the Bible says you can't tame your tongue by yourself. You need the help of the Holy Spirit. If I were you, I'd ask the Holy Spirit to help you to keep your tongue under control. Did you hear me? And and much I could say, I could teach a whole lesson on this, but keep your tongue in line with the Word of God. Speak in line with the Word of God. Don't speak out of line with the Word of God. And that's where you need to start. Now then one other thing. Go back to 1 Corinthians 9 verse 26. 1 Corinthians 9 26. He says, therefore I do not run like a, a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. Here's if you're taking notes. Here's something else. First thing you ought to do is keep your tongue under control. And then the second thing is, if you want to receive a reward from the Lord, you need to have a goal. You need to have a goal. You, you need to know what it is that God has directed you to do. You need to know in what area He has instructed you to serve. What abilities has He graced you with? And then you need to head that way. You need to find out what it is God wants you to do for Him and then head that way. The Apostle Paul, again, he said, I don't run like someone running aimlessly. I'm not just out shadow boxing, just beating the air. You should always have an aim, always have a goal. You know, I learned this as a golfer. When I first started playing golf, as just in junior high school, seventh grade, I went out in a field and I just started hitting the ball aimlessly. And do you know what? It, it, it. It, it basically ruined me as a golfer. Now, I developed into a pretty good golfer, but I learned later, every time you hit a golf ball, you should always be hitting it at something. You should always have a goal. And, and, and the same thing's true with just about every sport that I can think of. Let's just talk about swimming. When Michael Phelps dives in the pool, does he just take off any which way? Yes or no? Now, he goes straight down, doesn't he? And then he hits, don't you like the way they turn under the water there, you know? And then he goes straight back the other way. He has a goal. Real loud, say goal. You know, I've watched Christians over the many, 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 many years, and I've done it myself. Just no goal. Just kind of doing this for a while, then do that for a while, then do this for a while, and then do that for a while, and then wonder why I haven't made any progress. We have to have a goal. So first thing, keep your tongue under control. Second thing, find out what it is God wants you to do and then do it. Did you know God has a local church for everybody? Did you know that? 
And did you know that God has an assignment for you in that local church? He has something in that local church for you to do. Did you know that? So find out what it is and then do it. And just head that way. Have a goal. Now what else did Paul do to run in such a way that he'd receive a reward? Go to Philippians, the third chapter. And the twelfth verse. We'll read this in the New King James Version. Philippians 3.12, and if you you don't have a Bible, it'll be up there on the screen. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected. In other words, he said, I haven't arrived yet. I'm I'm not perfect. But I press on that I may hold, lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. And then he says, brethren, I, and he's talking to us, he's talking to believers. I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Now, if you're taking notes, get this. Here's what he's, one thing I do. He says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal. For the prize, see, for that prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So what do we learn here? We learn that you're going to have to forget the things that are behind. I like to tell, I like to say it this way. You can't successfully, like if you were going to drive your car home after church, how far would you get if all you did was look in the rear view mirror? You'd have a problem, wouldn't you? You might make it a little bit of a ways, but you're going to run into something. You're going to crash eventually. Is that right? Is that, is that right? Yeah, you're going to have to forget those things which are behind. If those swimmers at the Olympics, if they were, if they were swimming and they had a, a mirror out, they put a selfie stick. How many knows what a selfie stick is? They put a mirror out on that and they were trying to swim looking in the, in the reverse how far would they get? Or those runners, how far would they get? No, you've got to forget the things that are behind. How many of you, if you're like me, there's things in your past you'd like to forget about? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, listen. I say it this way. We shouldn't live in our past, but we should learn from our past. You can learn from your successes. You can learn from your mistakes. Particularly from your mistakes. Learn from your mistakes so that you don't make those mistakes again. Forget those, but, what, but, but learn from your past, but don't live in your past. For, for, forget those things that are behind. And then notice again, we have to have a goal and we have to press forward to that, go, to that goal. You know, uh, Christian's future is far brighter than our past. Did you know that? The path of the righteous, the Bible says, is like the light of dawn. It shines brighter. Did you know if you're in the will of God, you're walking with the Lord, that that things ought to be getting brighter, not darker. Did you hear me? I'm not saying you won't have some dark times, dark days, but overall, things ought to be getting brighter, not darker. Did you hear me? And then he said, I press toward the goal. We have to keep looking forward. Keep looking forward and pressing on. This Christian life that we live is not an easy thing to do. But if we'll do these things that Paul is talking about, we can run this race and wind up with reward at the end. So what did he say here? He said, forget the things which are behind. Press forward to the things that are ahead and so forth. Here's something else that he did. Acts the 20th chapter and the 22nd verse. 
Acts, the 20th chapter and the 22nd verse. He said this. He said, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem. See, the Lord had directed him to go to, to Jerusalem. Notice what he says here. Not knowing the things that will happen to me there. You need to realize this race that we're in for the Lord is a race of faith. He doesn't give us all the details. How many of you would like it if God gave us all the details? Wouldn't that be wonderful? But he doesn't do it. The reason he doesn't do it is, is that then it wouldn't be a race of faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. I've learned this about the Lord. I've been walking with him since I've been a, a little kid. I haven't found anybody else better to walk with, so I just keep walking with him. But he gives you a general direction to head. And then if you'll head that direction as you go, then, then the direction gets more specific. See, most people want God to give them all the details up front, but then it takes faith out of it. He'll give you a general direction to head, and then you head that way. And then as you go, you get more specific direction. I've learned this. If you won't obey the general direction of the Lord, you certainly won't obey the specific direction of the Lord. Did you hear me? I said, if you won't obey the general direction of the Lord, then you're certainly not going to obey the specific direction of the Lord. This church started simply by the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart. I didn't hear an audible voice, just right down in my heart. We were meeting, we were having a Bible study at our house. And then the Spirit of God said, go down to the school, rent a room and teach my word. That's, that's all he said. And we went down to Rockwood Summit High School. We rented a room and we began to teach the word of God. And then as things went on, as we did that, then the direction became more specific. But I didn't know all the things that would lie ahead. I just knew it generally which way to go. And, and we headed that way. And then notice verse 23. He said, I don't know the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city saying that chains and tribulations await me. Now, how many of you know that that, that wouldn't cheer me up? Would that cheer you up? That'd be a, a time that most people would quit. You know, quitters never do get any reward, do they? And did you know the easiest thing in the world to do is to quit? Anybody can quit. But not everybody can finish the race. And as you run this race for the Lord Jesus, there's going to be many things. There'll be bumps in the road. There'll be... Mountains that come up, there'll be this come up, that come up, bumps in the road, rocks in the road. But you just don't quit. You just keep right on going. Because look at what the Apostle Paul said concerning these things in verse 24. He said, none of these things move me. I think we ought to say that. Say, none of these things move me. Say it again. None of these things move me. If you want to get a reward from the Lord one of these days, you're going to have to have that kind of an attitude. That no matter what the devil throws in your path, no matter what comes up, you're not going to be moved. You know, I've watched some boxing over the years. Now, actually, I've watched more wrestling than boxing. Anybody ever watch some of the wrestling? I, I, I've quit watching it. My grandma thought it was real. <laughs> But I won't go into all the details of it. But you know what would always uh, freak uh, the opponent out is like, how many's ever heard of Hulk Hogan? 
And I'd watch the Hulkster, you know, and the, the, and, and the opponents would come up and they'd just, they'd just, just beat him, just beat him, just pummel him. And after they got done with their best shot, the Hulkster would just stand there and just shake. How many remembers that? You know, that'll intimidate, that'll intimidate the opponent, won't it? You know, we need to be the same way with the devil. He comes up, hits us with his best shot, and we just stand there and just not moved, unfazed by it. Did you know you can scare the devil? Did you know that? I said you can scare the devil. I said you can scare the devil. There's so many Christians, they're running around scared of the devil, afraid of the devil. What's the devil going to do? What's the devil going to do? What's the devil going to do? I tell you what, we've been given the armor of God. We've been given the word of God. We've been given the blood of Jesus. We've been given the name of the Lord Jesus. Bless God. We've been given all authority in heaven and in earth. Let's stand up in that authority and resist. Submit to God. Resist the devil. You can put the devil on the run. Can you say amen? Amen. The devil is scared spitless of a Christian that will stand up in their authority. The devil tries to set you on fire. No, he'll get his own clothes caught on fire. Did you hear me? He's an intimidator. But I tell you what, he hits you with the left hook and gives you his best shot. You just stand there unfazed. You can intimidate the devil. Can you say amen? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. None of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, verse 24, so that I may finish my race with what? With joy. Folks, if you're going to ever finish your race for the Lord, you're going to have to keep joy about you. You're going to have to keep a skip in your step, a glide in your stride. You're going to have to keep the joy of the Lord about you. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our what? It's our strength. You're going to have to keep a smile on your face. And sometimes you're going to have to keep that smile there by faith. When you're really crying on the inside and, 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 and your body's hurting this, that, and the other. You just keep a smile on your face. And you just keep standing on the Word of God. Did you hear what I just said? That's how you finish your race with joy. With the joy of the Lord. So none of the, nothing, nothing moved the Apostle Paul. Nothing distracted him. He was solid. He was determined. He wasn't a quitter. And he finished his race with joy. Now let, let, let's go to Hebrews 12. I'm, I'm, I'm just getting ready to start closing here. Are you getting anything out of this? What else did he do to run in such a way to receive a prize. Hebrews, the 12th chapter, the first verse. Paul probably wrote the book of Hebrews. We're not 100% sure, but he probably did. He says in verse 1, Hebrews 12, 1, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. That's talking about the people, the Christians who have died and gone on before us. I believe they're in the stands of heaven. Cheering us on in our... See, the people in heaven don't know natural things what go on down here on the earth. But they know spiritual things. Did you hear what I just said? They know when somebody gets born again. They know when somebody gets filled with the Holy Spirit. They're not concerned whether or not you got a new suit or a new house or a new car. They're not concerned with natural things in heaven. They're concerned with spiritual things. Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight 
and the sin which so easily ensnares us or gets us off course. Now, we understand about sin. How many of you know sin will get you off course? So, you know, we understand that. Hopefully, we understand that. But you know, something else I want to mention here is these weights. Did you know there's things in your life that are not sin, but they're weights, and they'll bog you down? You know, so many times we're looking at the sin. Well, yeah, certainly sin will bog you down. We understand that. But where a lot of Christians don't understand, what they don't understand, is there's weights. There's things that will weight you down that will hinder you in your run for the Lord. Now, how many of you... Um, have ever seen the, the baseball, the Cardinals, you know, the guy in the on-deck circle, you know, and he'll have his bat and he'll put that donut on his bat. You know what that donut is, that heavy weight that they, you know what I'm talking about? Is that what they call it? It's a weight. And he swings that so that when he, now does he ever take that weight? Have you ever seen anybody in, in, in the Cardinals, they go up to the home plate and they still got that donut on their bat? Yes or no? Now, they have that donut that, you know what I'm talking about, that weight that goes on. Now, they have that over in the on-deck circle because they're practicing, you see, with that, that resistance and whatnot. And it allows them, I guess it allows them to get their bat around quicker on the ball when they go to home plate. But, you know, there's a lot of Christians that they, they, they've got their donut on their bat when they're standing at home plate trying to hit the ball. And, and, and it's weighting them down. Now, wouldn't the opposing team just love it? If, 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 uh, who was that hitter we had years? Albert Pujols. Remember him? How many remembers him? Or is he a forgotten subject? <laughs> who called him a traitor? Let's walk in love now. But, but did you ever see him come into the batting, batter's box with the, with the, uh, with the donut on his bat? No, that way, he laid that weight aside, didn't he? Before he came in there to hit the ball. But if he'd have come in there, as good a hitter as he was, if he'd have had that donut on his bat when he came in, to hit, how many of you know he probably wouldn't hit all those home runs? Is that right? Because he's weighted down, see? So what did he do? I watch him all the time when I watch. I don't watch that much baseball, but they'll, before they go into the batter's box, they'll hit that, that bat on the ground, they knock that donut, they take that weight off, and then they go up there and they're able to swing that bat. Did you hear me? And, and I tell you what, this ought to speak to you today. I wonder how many of us, we're trying to run this Christian race, and we still got donuts on our bats. We still got weights on. Let's don't talk about donuts, right? I'm trying to... <laughs> Maybe it is donuts. You getting anything out of this? What's weighting you down? What, is there anything weighting you down? It's not, it's not sin, but it's weighting you down. See, the opponents, when Albert Pujols came up to bat, the other team, they would have loved it if he had come up there weighted down. Right? Wouldn't the opponent, the opposing team, love it if, if the first baseman, or the, not the first baseman, but the runner gets on, you know? Wouldn't they love it if, 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 if they put weights on, on their legs and, and all of that, and then they couldn't steal second as well? Is that right? See, the devil just loves it when we weight ourselves down with things. Not necessarily sinful things. Let me ask you, would it be against the rules of baseball for if, would it be against the rules of baseball? Does anybody know if you went in there to bat, could you leave that donut on your bat if you wanted to? You, it's not very, it's not regulation bat. But wouldn't the opponent love it if, it, if you could? Because you could hit the ball. Let me ask you, see how much you really know about the rules of baseball. How about if the runner's on first base? Could the runner weight himself down? Or, uh, would that be against the rules? 
could they put weights? You know how they put their running helmet on or whatever? Could they put weights on their ankles and weights? Could they do that if they wanted to? Could they? Yes or no? Huh? Well, why would you say nobody in their right mind would want to weight themselves down? Is that right? Do you all get what I'm trying to say? Don't weight yourself down. Say amen, somebody. Would you agree with me there's a lot of Christians weighting themselves down with things? I know it. I've been pastoring a long time. I've watched Christians weight themselves down with all sorts of things. And then they try to go oppose the devil. They try to live the Christian life weighted down. Weighted down with gossip. Weighted down with, with talking bad about people. Weighted down with all sorts of things. Worry. There you go. Worry will weight you down. Can you think of anything else that will weight you down? Well, 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 yeah, but we're not even talking about, about sinful things. We're just, what, 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 what would be something that weights somebody down? Busyness. Busyness. Is, is, you know, you can be so busy that you don't have time for God. Did you know that? I mean, we could think of probably a, a thousand things if we really... Entertainment. Oh, oh, there it is. Let me see that. Wow. Now, this is, this is a blessing. How many has got a cell phone besides Joe? I have one. And they're a blessing. Nothing wrong with them. The race of faith. I like that. But, yeah, but, but he's right. I mean, this, have you ever got bogged down on the Internet where you spend maybe three or four hours sitting in front of the computer? Listening things It wasn't sinful But but you'd have been better off Studying the word of God Has ever, anybody ever done that besides me? Yeah So there's nothing wrong with cell phones there's nothing, that, That's the whole point he's trying to make It can be a weight How many has ever been weighted down by the internet besides me? Yeah I mean it's not sinful stuff Is watching Elvis sing Hound Dog sinful? <laughs> Let's move on. You know, when I was a kid, I, I, I mean, you, that Internet is amazing, isn't it? But, you know, with anything that is a blessing, it almost seems like, like, like all these inventions. How many has enjoyed television besides me? Great blessing. But it can be a distraction. Is that right? And, and, and we could name so many things. Just look at your life. See if there's anything weighting you down. And maybe you need to... You know, when, it, when a ship, let's see if I got this right. When a ship is kind of in trouble, what's one of the things they do? They start, they start throwing things. They start throwing some of the weight off. I'm just asking you today, examine yourself. Is there anything that's weighting you, you down that you need to throw overboard? Amen. And then notice this. He said, let us run with patient endurance. Let us run with endurance, the race that's set before us. Patience is what that's talking about. Did you know that when I started uh, exercising, I didn't, I didn't lose weight overnight. Did you know that? It took me about three months before I really started seeing any significant change. When you, when you, when you do things for the Lord, you know, a lot of people, I've watched this over the years, a lot of people want to obey God one day and then they want to walk in the blessing. No, you've got to obey Him over time. 
you ever see anything on television where a preacher would come on there and say, well, if you'll send money in this offering, you know, every, all these wonderful things are going to happen. How many of you know that's not true? How many of you know it's not true? I said it isn't so. It's not true. It's, it, it, it's, it's, it's giving consistently over time where the blessing comes, not just giving in one offering. How many of you know you can't just avoid one jelly donut and think you're on a great diet? Is that right? It, it takes time. And so it takes patient endurance. Now look at verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of, finisher of our faith. Now who do we need to keep our eyes on? Jesus. And the Amplified says, looking away from all that will distract. Did you know there's many things that will distract us in this, in this world? This world is really all about distraction. And the Bible says if we want to finish our race, we need to keep our eyes off the distraction and on the Lord Jesus. I was watching the Olympics the other night and I saw Michael Phelps sitting there in that ready room before he went out and swam one of these big, big matches. And one of his opponents, I don't know if you saw this, but one of his opponents, Chad LeClough, I think it was, he was right there. Now, Michael, Michael Phelps was sitting there and he had his hood on and, and, he, was, and he was just, he was focused. And this other guy comes out there, and he's trying to intimidate Michael Phelps. I don't know if you ever saw that. How many saw that besides me? And he's up there, and he's kind of going, you know, doing all this. Did anybody see that besides me? He's trying to distract. And you know, Michael Phelps, all he did with those steely eyes, he just looked straight forward. He wasn't moved at all. He wasn't distracted. We need to learn a lesson from that. That's how we need to be, because that's what the devil will do. He'll come up, and he'll try to distract us with every kind of thing you can imagine. But Michael Phelps, I tell you what, he was just, he was focused and he wasn't moved. He didn't, he just, he, he didn't, didn't look like it even phased him. He just had those steely eyes and he looked straight forward. And guess what? Michael Phelps went in the pool and won gold. And that guy that was acting like a jerk, he didn't even meddle. Can you say amen? Let's learn a lesson from that. What do you say? Now, let's close in 2 Timothy 4. Let's go there. I hope this is blessing you today. If you'll do what we're saying here, you'll be a success in life. And you get rewarded by the Lord. The Apostle Paul, right before they put him to death, the devil tried to kill him many times. He never could. He lived out his full life here on the earth. And he didn't go... Until he was ready. The Apostle Paul didn't, didn't, they didn't let, see, they did, he didn't let anybody, he, they tried to kill him many times. He didn't die until he was ready to go. Do you understand that? I'll put it this way. He didn't die on the devil's terms. He died on his terms. Second Timothy 4, 6. I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure is at hand. I fought what? The good fight. He was a fighter. I have finished. He was a finisher. Finished the race. I have what? Kept the faith. See, just before he's put to death for the cause of Christ on his terms, not the devil's terms, he was a fighter. He was determined. He had ambition. He kept the faith. He he stayed true to the Lord Jesus Christ. He finished his race, as I said, as an aged man. There's another scripture that tells us that. He shook things off. Did he get bit by a poisonous snake one time, the Apostle Paul? What did he do? Did he he start crying about it or what did he do? He just shook it off, unfazed, unfazed. And and all the people that were there were shocked 
They thought he was going to fall down dead. He just shook it off and went right on, you see. He was stoned one time. He was Remember that? He was stoned. He, I don't mean drunk. I mean they hit him with rocks. Do you understand? He got right back up and went right on with the work of God. That's the way we need to be, you see. The Bible says a righteous man may fall seven times, but he gets up again, you see. How many Christians I've watched over the years, just the littlest old thing will come. The wind will change directions and they'll be ready to quit. No, 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 no. I tell you what, the devil's going to throw more at you than a change of direction of wind. He's going to throw everything but the kitchen sink at you. And you need to be determined. And if he knocks you down, and if he knocks you down seven times, get back up and keep going. Can you say amen? You know, I'm always proud of those at the Olympics. When they do get knocked down or they fall off the balance beam or whatever, you know, they don't stay down. What do they do? They get right back up and keep right on going. That blesses me. How about you? I tell you what, the devil's knocked me down some. He's knocked me down a few times. But bless God, I didn't stay down. I got right back up and got right on, kept right on going. Did you hear me? And then notice verse 8. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. Did Paul, he's, he's getting this crown now, isn't he? The gold medal, if you will. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day and not to me only, but also to all those who have loved his appearing, you see. And that was a crown that won't fade away, but a crown that's eternal. See, there's five crowns you can earn in this Christian race. Five crowns. One is for those who are watchful and look for the Lord's appearing. There's another crown that the Lord awards to those who have endured persecution and hardness and even death. It's called the martyr's crown. There's another crown for those who resist temptation and keep their flesh under control. There's a fourth crown that's reserved just for ministers. And that, that's, that's for ministers who were faithful to God and faithful to their congregations and pastored with a good and a right heart and helped the people and kept the people as a priority, you see. How many of you know I'm here to serve you, not the other way around? And then finally, the greatest crown of all, I'm convinced, is the soul winner's crown. The most beautiful, I'm convinced of all. Can you say amen? So I want to finish well for the Lord. How about you? You know, there's many in the Bible who didn't, didn't finish well. You're right there in verse 8. Look at verse 10. I'm almost done, but look at verse 10. The Apostle Paul says, Demas has forsaken me. Who's Demas? He was a person that was in the race, running the race, right side the Apostle Paul. But Paul writes and says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. You know all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And Demas loved that more than he loved Jesus, and he didn't finish well. It distracted him. It got him off. You know, the Bible tells us about the Israelites. It took them 40 years to make about a three-week journey. And you know what kept them from finishing well? They were idolaters. They put other things ahead of God. I said they put other things ahead of God. There was sexual misconduct among them. You'll never finish your course for the Lord if there's sexual misconduct in your life. And then you know what else the Israelites did? They grumbled and complained. I wonder how many of us grumble and complain. Have you been a grumbler? Have you been a complainer? I know I have, but I've repented. It isn't good that we can repent. It'll distract you. It'll keep you from finishing well. Solomon, the great king, the wisest man that ever lived other than the Lord Jesus Christ... You know what got him off? He had uh, bad relationships. 
Bad relationships. He had 300 wives and 700 concubines. I think, you know, one wife is enough for me. I have trouble keeping up with one. But 300 of, my goodness. You know that, that, that multiple wives never was the will of God. Did you know that? I could prove that to you in Scripture if I had time. He, how many wives did he make for Adam? One. And then you can look in the New Testament. talks about that the minister must be the husband of one wife and so on and so forth, you know. Did you know the Bible says bad company corrupts good morals? Did you know that when I was in, when I, I think somebody needs to hear this today. But you know when I went into, uh, into high school, I had to separate myself from some of my friends. That I had in, from, from the time I was in elementary school, all the way through kindergarten, all the way through first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade. Then we get into tenth, they start drinking, now I can't hang around them anymore. I said, I can't hang around them anymore. I said, I can't hang around them anymore. Somehow or another, I think somebody in here, more than one, needs to hear this today. You, there, you've got to watch who you hang around. You can get distracted. And I remember some of my friends in high school saying, well, T- Terry, uh, you know, come over here to the, to the party. We're going to have alcohol and whatnot over. I can't go to that, see. I can't go to that and finish my race for the Lord. Did you hear what I just said? Did you hear me? Bad communication, bad company corrupts good character. I've watched this when I was teaching school. I'd watch good kids. They'd come into my class at the beginning of the year, the good kids. And then they'd get into it with the rowdy bunch. And by the end of the year, that good kid was corrupted. Now, you know, you've got to watch who you hang around. I mean, we love everybody. Don't misunderstand me, but there's some people who don't want to cooperate with the Lord. You can't be running around with those people. Let me tell you something right now. They'll pull you down. You won't be able to pull them up. Very seldom will you be able to pull. About 98% chance they'll pull you down. That's why we've seen it again and again. When a woman comes in and she wants to marry a man, you know, that's not living right for the Lord. And we warn her, we say, now you've got to be watchful. And, oh, I'll be able to change him. I'll be able to change him. I ain't seen one yet. They've been able to change him. They get married and within a short time, neither one of them are serving the Lord. And then there's Ananias and Sapphira. You know, they got off course. They didn't finish well. They died in church. Fell dead. You know why that was? Because they needed the accolades of men more important to them than the accolades of God. You know what? I don't care if people clap for me. I want Jesus clapping for me. It's all over an offering, you know. And then you better listen to this one. In the Old Testament, Uzziah, he didn't finish well. He was a king, but he wanted to be a priest. You know... Relating this to the Olympics, you need to find out what event God wants you in, as we said earlier, and you need to stay in that event. Did you hear what I just said? They've got a great commercial. I wish everybody would go home and YouTube it and watch it. How many has ever heard of Lindsey Vaughn? You know, she's that downhill skier. She's greatest, maybe the greatest skier that there ever was. But they've got a commercial where she's trying to do Summer Olympic Games. You ought to go watch it. And they got her shooting. She's going to shoot the bow and arrow. And she's like aiming, not at the target, but she's aiming at her, at, you know what I'm saying? And then they got her doing those, that twirling, the twirling stuff, and she's all wrapped up in that tape, you know, that 
whatever that is, that paper, you know. And they got her trying to mount a horse. And it's just the funniest thing. They got her slinging that, that ball or whatever. She's hitting herself on the foot. I tell you what, that's probably the greatest commercial I've ever seen because it depicts Christians so well. There's so many Christians that I've seen that they're trying to do something that God never called them to do. See, Lindsey Vaughn is one of the greatest downhill skiers that you'll ever find. The greatest maybe of all time. But, but she's not put together to be a, a champion swimmer, you see. She's not put together to be a, a javelin thrower, you know. Or to do the discus or the shot put, you know. But, but she's supposed to be a, 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 a skier. Now, Michael Phelps, as wonderful, as wonderful of a swimmer as he is, I bet if he tried to go be a downhill skier, he might be able to ski all right, might be able to do it. But he's not going to be able to do it like Lindsey Vaughn. You, you, you hear what I'm saying? I tell you, you ought to go watch that commercial because I tell you what, that one commercial depicts Christians so well. You know, and Uzziah, he was a king, but he wanted to be a priest and it cost him. He didn't finish well. You need to find out what it is that God's called you to do and just stay in that unless God were to change it. Stay in that. Can you say amen? Amen. And then Mark, he didn't finish well because it was too hard. Remember that? He it's too hard. He, he, He quit. But you know what? He repented and he got back to it. Even if you quit, you can repent. Maybe you're here today and you've quit. But you can repent and get back to serving God. Say amen, somebody. The Christian race is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And remember this. We're not competing against one another. It's, like we're, it's more like a relay. We're working, we ought to be working together. How many of you know we ought to be working together? And we're running for Jesus and our flesh and the devil's trying to hinder us. But Jesus defeated the devil and we have the Holy Spirit to help us with our flesh. So let's do what Paul did and finish our race with joy. Did you get anything out of this today? Well, stand with me if you, if you would. I preached a little too long, but we trust it was helpful to you. Amen. Well, if you just did half of what we said here today, if you just, if you just did half of it... <laughs> You ought to do all of it, but if you just did half of it, there'd be great reward. Praise God forevermore. Just bow your heads there before the Lord. Now listen to me. If you're here today and you don't whether you don't know whether or not you're even in the Christian Olympics, you need to be sure you get in. What does that mean? What what am I saying? I'm saying if you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to do that. That's the most important thing you can ever do. Jesus died on the cross for you. He was buried in that tomb and on the third day he was risen from the dead. He did that for you so that you don't have to go to hell. You can go to heaven. Simple as that. And then he also did it so that he'd make your life worth living. Instead of a mess, he'll turn it into something good. But you've got to receive him. You've got to invite him into your heart. And if you'll do that in a moment of time, he'll come in there and he'll make things better. He really, really will. So if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, when I dismiss this service in just minutes from now, you come up to the front. There's some nice people standing up here. Just get with one of them and say, hey, I want to I receive Jesus. And they'll be so thrilled and they'll pray with you. And you can make Jesus the Lord of your life.
and then get in what we what we would say the Christian life, the Christian Olympics, and then start your race for the Lord. And you'll be running for Him the rest of your life. And then do these things that we said here today. And one day you'll stand before Him and He'll say, Well done, good and faithful servant. And all you people that are here, you're already saved. You already have received Jesus. I just want to encourage you to examine yourself. Take a look at yourself. And put these rules here today, or these these rules, these principles is a better word... Put them into practice in your life. If you've fallen down in some area in some way, just get back up. Like those Olympic, Olympic athletes that fall down. They get back up and they keep going. Just get back up. The Lord will dust you off. He won't, he won't hold anything against you. He'll forgive you. And you just go right on like it never happened. Isn't he wonderful? Now, Father, I pray for the people right now that if there be any here today that need to receive Jesus, that you'll draw them by your Spirit and they'll do so before they leave this building and anyone else who's already saved. Maybe they've fallen down. Maybe they've got knocked down. Maybe, maybe something's happened, this or that or the other. We just, just ask that you'd comfort them and encourage them with this message and that they'd get back to it and that they'd run well for you and receive great reward one day. To lay those crowns at your feet and worship you. That's what it's all about. So we love you, Lord. We bless you. I declare your blessing on this congregation. I declare no weapon formed against them will prosper. I charge the angels of God that you've assigned unto them to keep them in their ways in this next week. And no weapon formed against them will prosper. In Jesus' name. Now I need to meet with the uh, altar workers. Don't forget tomorrow night the men and Wednesday night spirit world love on a few people this is a friendly family church love on a few people and then you're dismissed